0: Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top
1: real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.
0: Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Jennifer Karstensen with Remax in Germantown, Tennessee. Last year, she closed 155 transactions with a total sales volume of 22 million. Her average sales price was 141,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. She operates a team with eight members five buyer specialists, one executive assistant, one marketing assistant, and one team leader. Jennifer is the team leader of the Live Love Memphis Group. She's been an agent for five years and sold 431 homes in her short career. In this call, Jennifer talks about why she switched from the mortgage business to real estate sales, her goal to make $100,000 her first year and how she did it, the expired listing letter that generates 30% of her business, her phone script for expired listings, What she does to get 30% of her business by repeating referrals from past clients and sphere of influence. How she quickly ramped up her internet buyer leads with Boomtown. Her Facebook personal page, business page, and agent referral network. How she generates seller leads using newsfeed, Facebook ads, and the phone script she uses to convert them into listing appointments. The Power of Mentors and Modeling Successful Agents Team Dynamics, Compensation, Profit Margins, and More First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year Just go to freereferralscript.com that's free freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jennifer, it's great to have you here. Jennifer, before we talk about what you're doing now, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate.
1: Before I got into real estate, I was in the mortgage business. My father actually owned a mortgage company out of Chicago and started working for him from about 16 all throughout college and then worked my way up to Argent Mortgage, which at the time was the one of the largest subprime lenders and worked for them for several years and then um, left them in 2006 when I had my daughter. And, of course, as everyone knows, that's kind of when everything went downhill, and um became a stay-at-home mom for a couple of years before I moved to Memphis.
0: How long were you in the mortgage business then?
1: About fifteen years. So I left there when I was thirty one so sixteen to thirty one.
0: Wow, so you had a really good grounding in the industry uh, from that mortgage side. Mortgage is very similar, sales oriented, people oriented. And why did you decide when you moved to Tennessee, why did you decide to go into the real estate side rather than stay in the mortgage side?
1: I chose to get back into real estate as a real estate agent because, well, I had moved to Memphis from Chicago and I had gotten divorced. And so I didn't want to go back into a 40-hour, a week, you know, 8-to-5 sort of job, which would take me away from my daughter who was, at the time... About two years old, and so I was talking. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, who you know was a realtor here in Memphis, and she said, you know, Jen, I really think that you would like this as a career. You make your own hours. You can be around people. You can. You're not going to be stuck at a desk all day. And so, you know, after a couple of conversations, I thought, well, that might be the right thing for me to do. And so, I just decided to jump in. And I jumped in in August of 2008, <laughs> which was like the worst time ever. Uh, in our market. But it worked out really well.
0: You had the impression that real estate was going to be a more controllable or manageable with your hours. Uh, has that played out for you?
1: <laughs> well, in the first year, to be honest, no. I mean, the first year, year and a half, really, I I always knew what I wanted to do. I always knew that I was going to start in real estate, and I was going to have a team, and I was going to grow it to the seventh level so that I could have more time in my life, in my personal life. And so the first year I really dedicated myself to working um, an almost unimaginable now, like to me it's almost unimaginable, but the amount of hours that I worked my first year and a half almost drove me out of the business because I was so focused on what I had to do. I mean, I was working 70 plus hours a week and that was a slow week. And so I, I really missed my daughter's third year of her life. It was just, she was always with my mom or she was with me showing houses on the weekend. And it was just, it was amazing for me to do it. And I'm glad that I did it, but it was really, really hard.
0: Jennifer, that first year you were working really hard. Do you think you had a fast start or a slow start?
1: I would say fast. So when I first got my license, I went in and sat and talked to my broker and I said, I want to make $100,000 in this business my first year. Is that possible? And so I sort of had this like blind naivety that it was possible because he told me it was. And what I didn't do, which I'm glad I didn't do, was I never asked my fellow agents if they thought my income goal was too outrageous. And so because I never asked their opinion. I never got it. And I was able to sort of lead my way to meeting my goal. So at the end of the first year of 2009, I did meet my income goal. My 1099 was 101000 And, you know, I never knew I couldn't do it. So I guess my point is, it was worth it for me today. Where I'm sitting today and where I have been sitting in this chair for the last three years, it was worth the sacrifice in my first year, year and a half, in order to be where I am today. And it allows me to continue to grow.
0: Wow. So that shows the power of goals. You said you set a goal for 100000 your first year. And did you say you hit 101
1: I did. It was like $101,089.
0: Oh, that is just awesome. Well, congratulations. Very good. Very good. And so uh, just for clarity, how long have you been in the business
1: now? This is my first quarter of my sixth year.
0: How many homes did you sell last year? 155. And do you recall the sales volume on that?
1: It was $21,949,999.
0: Are you always that accurate with your numbers? Oh, yeah, you have to be. Jennifer, where is Germantown, Tennessee located?
1: It's a suburb of Memphis, Tennessee. From downtown Memphis, it's about 30 minutes east. And
0: how big is the population there?
1: We have just under 40,000 residents.
0: And how many in Memphis, the big metro area of Memphis?
1: Population of Memphis is about 655,000.
0: Jennifer, could you please describe your current real estate market?
1: In Memphis, the average price is about $130,000, and we're like an entry-to-middle um, type of home. So we don't have a very large luxury market. We're just sort of like middle-of-the-road folks. I mean, a luxury house in this market would be, you know, upwards of 250000 $250,000. So the sweet spot for us in home sales, there were about 16,000 houses sold last year, in Memphis and the surrounding areas, but most of the sweet spot for sales is between I would say 85,000 and 200,000. So the majority of the sales are going to be within that. But the average days on the market for me is about 40 to 43 days in the entire Memphis area. I'm I'm thinking it's probably around 60 to 65 days. And then, you know, it's definitely improving. So like I said, when I got into the business in 2008, I mean, people were running out of the business. People were retiring their license left and right. And, you know, there were certain pockets of Memphis and cities that um, no one wanted to go in or it didn't seem like that anyway. And, And so those were the markets that I targeted, the markets that were hit the heaviest by the economic changes, because those people were just sort of left behind and they didn't know. What to do, and they still had to sell. So, um, you know, I'm so glad that that I had that experience um, because for the last five years, I've had to go seek business. And so, for the first time, my phone is actually ringing on its own. And, And so, when it first started happening, I thought, what in the world is going on? These people are calling me, and they just need to sell their house. And I guess back in the day, 2001, pre 2008, that's what agents would tell me. Would happen. Your phone would just ring, Jen. It was great. You have no idea what it was like before 2008. And I'd say, No, I don't. I'm glad. I'm working really hard to, you know, so that when this does shift back into our favor, I'll just get hopefully more market share because I've continued to kind of place myself and brand myself in this market. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely improving. Do you currently have
0: a niche or a specialization?
1: I do. I mean, I my I love expired people. Those are my people. I have tried to master the art of reaching them in a way that targets their logic, in a way that targets their emotion, their motivation, their willingness. Um A lot of times these people, I mean, these people to me were the bread and butter of my business because they were the ones that already had their hands up, they already wanted to sell, and they didn't for whatever reason. So it could be price or condition or marketing, but it usually was one of those three reasons. So... I spent a lot of time the first year or two just trying to understand the seller. So when I would reach them on the phone or they would call me or I'd interact with them, you know, in my market, I often said, "Well, what is it? Why didn't your house sell? Why do you think your house didn't sell?" And so they would talk to me and I just sort of made a mental note that, well, the house didn't sell for this reason. And uh, let me go ahead and, and address that objection for you now. So if it was, you know, communication or marketing. Anyway, so I've just really grown to love these folks. So they represent about 30% of my business. And, and I'm proud of that because now I have people that call me and they say, well, my friend had a house that, you know, they had two agents and it, it didn't sell and they hired you and it sold in three days. So we don't know how that worked, but we want you to try with our house. We just you know, our house just expired. And that happens, I get phone calls like that often.
0: Let's delve into exactly what you're doing with those expireds. Let's break it down into parts. First of all, how are you finding those expired listings?
1: So we use a program called Red X. It works together with the MLS system. It pulls all of the and it cross-references them. Sometimes the homes are expired, but they're actually relisted or the, contract, the listing agreement was extended. So it cross-references those people and pulls only the houses that are actually expired. And so we either give them a call or send them out a letter. And what we found was a lot of expired folks get bombarded with phone calls and bombarded with postcards. So what we did, we tried to be a little different. So we will send them a letter on a very nice stock paper, um, basically just saying, you know, we noticed that your house, you know, expired. What happened? Like, obviously, you wanted to sell. Do you think it could have been a marketing issue? Because a lot of times, price has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that the house wasn't aggressively marketed. You know, take a look at this information. We might be a very good fit. I sell more houses than 25 average agents combined, and I do that through a proven Aggressive marketing approach that I'd love to share with you, and so it just kind of goes through. There's some humor in there, you know. I'm like, I say, you know, you always yourself to get a second opinion. It's totally free with a smiley face, and I just tried to personalize this letter. But you know, it's it's not sent out on a Remax envelope. It's just a plain white envelope. It's hand addressed, and the return address is my name with our office address. So, and we also include a magnet in our letter and it's a business card magnet. And it says, you know, if you're not ready now, that's fine. Just keep my magnet, throw it on your fridge and you'll remember me when the time is right. And I can't tell you how many times I've gone into seller's houses and my, my letter is on the table and three or four other realtors have their magnets on the fridge <laughs> so I don't know if it was the magnet or the letter or a combination of both but those two items together that we send to the seller um, it makes a huge difference for me no one else in our market is sending out a letter like this
0: are you typically getting a response from the letter or is that just initiating the process and you're seeing a response later on say a, a couple days or weeks later
1: we have a combination of both. So there's someone that, you know, sometimes I see these ratty letters that I go over to their house and they say, well, we, we've kept your letter this whole time and we've had a renter and, you know, we just knew that whenever that renter's lease was up, we were going to call you. We just believe in your letter. We just love how it was written. So I have people that, you know, will call me a year after I've sent it to them. I have people that call me the same day. It just depends. It depends on their particular circumstance
0: each day you pull expireds, you'll send out that letter right away. Do you also make a phone call that first day?
1: Sometimes. We try to lead generate every day for three hours a day from nine, at least from nine to 1130. That's my goal. So we use a program called Boomtown and that's our database management system. So every, you know, sometimes if it's a, a particular expired listing that I really want to go after, we will customize a greeting card from send out cards we'll have that seller's picture of their house on the front of it and we'll kind of customize it a little bit and we'll continue to reach out to them um but typically you know we use vulcan seven to um call the expireds and i'll do that probably a few times a week Um, but the letter's just been so effective it really hasn't warranted a follow-up phone call i'm sure our listings will increase you know Um, Should we choose to do that every single day? But no, I would say that we do letters every single day without fail. And then we use Vulcan 7 a few times a week.
0: So for the same expired, how many times are you contacting them and how frequently?
1: I would say once or twice. That's it. Yeah, we only touch them once through the letter and then a subsequent time through a phone call. Usually the phone call happens and then they get a letter a few days later, and that's the most effective. So if I'm calling them, I don't leave messages when I call them because the Vulcan 7, when I'm dialing, I can't always tell if that expired has relisted, and so I don't want to call an active listing. So I just chose not to leave a message. So when I'm calling, they they may call me back, they may not, but you know, we've got... 60 to 70 expireds a day. And so the letter for me is just a faster way to get it out versus, you know, calling. But I'll do a combination of both.
0: Wow. So your market has 60 to 70 expireds per day. So you're going out to the entire Metroplex, the entire metropolitan area there around Memphis.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned that you're using Red X, and you also mentioned you're using Vulcan Seven. Those are very similar systems. Why do you use both of them?
1: Great question. Um, so Red X allows us to have a templated letter. So when we cross-reference and you know, we're about to print, you know, the list of expired, we just print off a letter that is customized to each particular lead. And Red X allows us to do that. So they just import the names of the potential client onto a letter and it prints out. So in five minutes, we have 60, 70 letters printed. And instead of saying, dear homeowner, it says, dear John, dear Mary. And so Vulcan 7, we don't use that. I don't even know if they have that option, but Vulcan 7, I just, that's strictly for dialing. And I don't use Red X for dialing.
0: I guess that's my question. Why are you not using the Red X system? Because they have a dialer system as well. What's been the difference between the two and why did you choose Vulcan 7?
1: Well, I think the functionality of Vulcan 7 is just more user-friendly for me. And I'm not a tech guru by any means. So for me, the simplest process is the best for me. And I had a lot of other, you know, I mastermind with a lot of mega agents from across the country. And... Hands down, they've all voted that they believe that Vulcan 7 is a superior product to Red X. So I just listen to them.
0: So you're getting 30% of your business from expired listings. You're basically finding them, sending out a letter on day one, making a call during the first week. That's it. And from those two activities, you're generating a lot of business back to you.
1: Absolutely. Wow, And quite frankly, the only reason why I even started doing Vulcan 7 to call after the letter was from a push from you know, a few of my other agents from across the country. They said, Jen, you're just leaving so much business on the table. No one in your market is calling these expireds. You should at least follow up with a phone call and watch your business increase. Well, to be honest with you, I had an assistant for four years who was terrified that I would start doing that because she would not be able to handle the business that would come from that. So, you know, I I hope we get to talk about hiring, but, you know, I hired a new assistant in August and because she's as awesome as she is, she is allowing me to see a bigger vision for my team than I've ever had to, I've ever been able to see before. And because she is as great as she is, she's showing me that, you know, I can take 30 listings a month and it won't be a problem. She can handle it. And so, my focus has changed this year. Last year, you know, I wasn't even it wasn't an option. I mean I, I would try to do Vulcan seven and then everything would just be kind of still non systematized, if that makes any sense. And so this year, I mean, it's gonna be great. So we, we plan on implementing the calling regularly alongside the letter more efficiently than we had been in years past.
0: So with your team last year, you were concerned about the fulfillment of your promises that you were making. You were worried you were going to overload your staff with volume. Let me ask, did you see an uptick? Have you seen an uptick in the number of listings that you've gotten from your expired program when you started to make the phone calls? And if so, what percent increase?
1: I would say that, you know, probably a five to 10% increase usually what will happen is they'll call and they'll say, hey, I got, I, I got a phone call from you. We talked the other day and then today I got a letter in the mail from you. And, um, you know, we've just kind of talked about it. And we, we want to hear what you have to say. So impressed that you called and followed up with a letter. So they kind of thought that I was following up with a letter when, in fact, you know, I wasn't. It was just duplicate effort.
0: Jennifer, let's do this. Can you walk us through your script that you use when you make that phone call to the expired, you know, what you're saying? Sure.
1: Ring, ring. Hello? Hi, is this Mike? Yeah, this is Mike. Hi, Mike. This is Jennifer Carstensen over at Remax. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm fine, Jennifer. Very good. Listen, the reason for my call is I was just looking at the MLS and I noticed that your house has shown up as an expired listing. So... You know, I was just calling to find out what happened. It seems like you definitely wanted to sell, and it just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out.
1: Gotcha. Well, are you interviewing other agents?
0: Uh, We're going to probably start that process up here pretty soon.
1: Gotcha. Well, I'd love to talk to you about um, that area in particular. You know, I live in Germantown. I work in Germantown. I know the area very well. Um, when are you conducting the interviews, and when would be a good time for us to get together?
0: Uh, We're probably going to start this up uh, next week.
1: Gotcha. Well, I do have some time next Tuesday afternoon. Are mornings or evenings better for you?
0: Um, Well, probably uh, for both of us, it would have to be the evening.
1: Sure, that's no problem. How about 5.30? Yeah, that would work. Awesome. Well, Mike, what I'm going to do is I'll do some research before we meet. What I'm going to do is pull all of the stats for what's currently on the market, what's sold in the last couple of months. I'll bring my iPad over. We're going to take a look at some pictures. I've got some really good marketing ideas. You know, we sell houses in Germantown faster than most agents. So, I'm really excited. I got you on the phone today because I I can't even tell you how excited I am. I in fact, I have a couple of buyers that my buyers agents are working with, and they cannot find the house that that, you know, is really the best fit for them. So I would love to, um, let me ask you this, Mike, do you have a brochure or anything, um, any kind of information that you can send to me before our meeting so that I might be able to send that to our buyer's agents?
0: Sure, we have a whole bunch of them.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, let me get your email address and then I'll give you my contact information. Send me what you have and then we'll go ahead and confirm the appointment for next Tuesday at 5.30. Does that sound good?
0: That sounds great.
1: Awesome, Mike. And then I would just get his email address and then, you know, I'd send them them a thank you and a confirmation. And it's usually that easy. I mean, I know that in some markets, I've got some friends that live on the East Coast, and um, those sellers, they're a little bit different. You know, they're a little more aggressive. But our sellers here, there's just nobody calling them. So just the fact that I've called at all, I don't really have to do a hard sell. You know, I'm just... Basically, I'm just calling and I'm saying, hello, I noticed that your house didn't sell. Are you still interested in selling? Um, And it's it's pretty simple to get the listing appointment, actually, unless they've already, you know, rented the house or they've just chosen not to sell it at all.
0: Very good. And then if you find out that they're going to be a bit longer down the road, if they're going to wait for a couple months or they just put a tenant in there, do you put them in some kind of tickler system or do you just – that's it. You'll just move on to the next one.
1: No, I absolutely asked him. So if you were saying, well, Jen, you know, we're kind of six months out, I would obviously try to qualify why. And then if it was a reason that, you know, made sense for everyone, I'd say, well, great, Mike, that's wonderful. Listen, would you mind if I touch base with you in like four months? I know you said you were going to be about six months out, but would you mind if I just touch base with you in 4 months and just see if the situation's still the same or give an, I mean I could even give you an updated market analysis or you know would that be something that you might find beneficial and then usually they they're like oh yeah that'd be great and we stick them in boomtown and we set a follow up for you know 4 months out and then we'll just either call them or email them
0: so boomtown is tracking all your leads you're using it for its database management are you using boomtown for their lead generation
1: Absolutely. So we use it for um, database management and lead generation. So we lead gen for buyers and for sellers. And they have auto drip email campaigns that allow us to, you know, keep, we've got, I think, 4,000 leads in our system, and probably 3,500, I would say, are buyers and 500 are sellers. And so it's great. I mean, it's, to me, it's one of the best systems out there.
0: 3,500 buyers and 500 sellers, have those leads mainly been generated from Boomtown?
1: Most have, but um, Boomtown also has the ability to auto import from other sources. So we pay to be a premium agent on Zillow and Trulia and Dave Ramsey. I'm a Dave Ramsey ELP. And so anytime a lead comes through from those portals, Boomtown will grab it and stick it into the system, and then send a welcome email out to them acknowledging that, you know, we didn't receive your information, you know, we we welcome you to the site, how can we help you find your next property? Or if they're sellers, they usually find me through AdWords, and we have, you know, ads on Google, and then they'll request a home valuation. They're curious about their home value, and so then the automatic email goes out that says, thank you so much for requesting automatic automatically goes to them, I think, within an hour of their registration. So it's wonderful for me. It's like a little assistant.
0: The AdWords campaign, is that being run by Boomtown?
1: Yes, they control that.
0: Tell me a little bit about how that works. How did you get it set up? How much are you paying? What are they doing for you? What have the results been?
1: So we pay about $3,000 a month for Boomtown, and um, $1,500 is for the program, is for the software. Um, and then 1500 is for AdWords. And so Boomtown and I discover what is the best, you know, keywords, AdWords, et cetera. And they create and monitor the ads through Google Analytics and their own SEO optimizing sort of gurus that are on the backside of their system. And then the leads just come through. We started off at like $500. And then as my team grew, so did my AdWords budget. So for the whole month, we have 1500 bucks to spend. And so once that's over, then there's no more leads. And then it resets every 30 days. The results are um, amazing. So right now I'm looking at the closing board and there's 10, 10 buyer closings and we get about 200 leads a month. So Boomtown has discovered that my add to registration, conversion is about 18%. So um, it's pretty high. I think the industry standard is like 8 to 10%. So we're running a pretty high conversion rate with it.
0: So 18% of the people that click on the ad are registering on your site. And then those are coming in as leads. And you said you're generating about 200 leads a month?
1: Yeah, it's about 200 leads a month. And so far we have been on track do eight to 10 closings per month from Boomtown.
0: Are the majority of those buyers? And if any sellers, what percent are sellers?
1: We're still about 90% buyers, 10% sellers. It sounds like that
0: program's been a success for you.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, we are not spending the same amount in AdWords for sellers as we are in buyers because it's just me doing the listings. And so I've got five buyer's agents. So they need, you know, that budget needs to exist for their... For their database.
0: With Boomtown, do you buy a zip code or an area or do they just run a general campaign with as many agents as show up? Do you have any kind of exclusive territory?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, we do have exclusivity. There's only a certain number of accounts that are given out per area. And it's basically Memphis has, I think, four Boomtown account, so only four agents in the entire, you know, population of Memphis are going to be able to get this. So I think in some larger demographic areas, I guess you can have more, but yeah, it's totally exclusive. They will not just open it up to anybody who wants it. And we've just expanded into Mississippi. And so we are the only agent in Mississippi right now using Boomtown. And so there might be room for one more. But we're really excited about
0: that too. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. How far away is the Mississippi market from where you're at now?
1: It borders us. So in some parts of Memphis, you know, like from here to, say, Oakland, which is a suburb of Memphis, it takes about 20, 25 minutes to get there. But South Haven, Olive Branch, Mississippi, it's actually closer. So we're about four to five miles from the Mississippi border here in Memphis. So there's a lot of people that work in Mississippi but live in Tennessee and vice versa, comparable in a lot of ways, but the taxes are cheaper in Mississippi, real estate taxes. So it's a a pull for some folks to come to Mississippi. And we just wanted to be able to service those people as well.
0: Do you have licenses in both markets? Did you have to get a Mississippi license, a second license?
1: We have members of our team that are licensed in Mississippi. So they will be the listing agent and the buyer agent for the Mississippi expansion team. And I have, you know, I'm probably a few weeks away from getting my Mississippi license. We just opened this up.
0: I think you have a Facebook business page ads. Can you tell me a little bit about how that program is working for you?
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's probably one of the best things that I have done. So what I do is I have the Facebook business page and I boost my page in order to get more likes. So the likes that I get are from my friends and friends of my friends. And so it's target specific to Memphis. And so, you know, once I grew my fan base, I suppose, my like base to about 2,000 people now, I'll start to put my really neat listings or something that I think is one of a kind about whatever one of my listings. And I'll put a a post on my business page and I'll boost it. And boosting it, you can allocate however many dollars you want per day. I can do $10. Sometimes I'll do $30 a day. It just depends on what I'm looking to do. And so it's great because it engages the Memphis community. And if it's something that's a really great price, I'll get a lot of feedback from community, which is great. They'll share it, they'll talk about it. They'll ask me how much it is. You know, we have received business from Facebook. In fact, before I had Boomtown, Facebook was responsible for about 36% of my business. It's a wonderful blend of what was working for me in the past and then the new features that Facebook has, which are the ads. And so we have ads that we pay for specifically targeting sellers. And so the seller ad is, are you curious about what your home is worth? Because so many people tried to sell in 2008, 9, 10, and they couldn't, and they feel like the market is improving, but they don't know for sure, and they don't want to get their hopes up. So having a home valuation site, I use Boone home valuation site, and I make a post on Facebook, and then that's the ad, basically. Come, you know, It's a landing page put in your address and then it regurgitates market value. And I get a notification every time a seller registers. And then I follow up with their home valuation. With, Hi, you know, thanks for requesting your home valuation. What's your time frame on moving? I just very assumptive. And we get a really high rate of return on that. Oh, I'm not interested in moving. I was just curious. Or, you know, I just put in my daughter's condo. She you know, I live in Texas, but she lives in Memphis and we get stories all the time. So that's been probably the single greatest discovery was utilizing and mastering Facebook ads for your
0: business. 36%. That's a big chunk of business. Is that an extension of your sphere of influence marketing? Or are you going out with some of those ads to people you don't know, just generic ad going out into the market? How are you targeting those ads?
1: Both ways. So the way that we do it is we've got one ad that targets my friends. And one ad that targets friends of my friends, so I don't actually know them. And then sometimes we'll run a third independent ad that just targets Memphis population. And so whenever we get a listing call, one of the questions we always ask is, well, how did you hear from me? So we always source where our business comes from so we can then at the end of the year or quarter, whatever, determine what percentage of our business is coming from what source so we can plan accordingly. And so we have had success from a generic target. In fact, I just had a listing appointment a couple of days ago, and the guy's like, I don't even know how I found you. I saw you know, some request on my news feed that you know, if I was curious about my home value to click here, and so I was. So I guess I found you through Facebook, and he was really you know, intrigued by the fact that I was able to reach him. And so I know that, that you know, a broad ad works Almost as good as a local ad targeting you know your friends
0: what do you think your current Facebook ad budget is? How much are you spending on that either per month or per year?
1: I um, between five hundred to a thousand dollars a month we try to do ten dollars a day sometimes we don't really go above twenty dollars a day but if I'm running two to three ads, we try to limit that between mm, well each month is different so I'll say on average, The most we'll spend is $1,000 a month for three ads. And we usually get two to three listings from that. Per month? I would say two to three warm people that are in some various stage of being prepared to list. So, you know, they don't always have a 30-day turnaround. So if someone registers, let's say, you know, January 1, and I reach them and we have a dialogue, they might not be ready until March or April, but, you know, they'll still come through.
0: Jennifer, let's talk about your past clients and sphere of influence. It sounds like about 30% of your business is coming from that source. Let's get into some of those details. How many people do you have in your past clients sphere of influence database?
1: We have about 3,000 people.
0: Wow, that's a lot. How many would you say of those are past clients?
1: I would say roughly 350.
0: The remainder that make up the 3,000. Are those all people that you know, or are those more general leads? What makes or comprises that 3,000?
1: I went to high school here in Memphis, and so having most of the people that I went to high school with are still here, so that's my benefit, I suppose, but just connecting with all of those people, there's probably a good 1,000 people um, that are in my city that know, like, and trust me, and the rest of them are agents. So I was with Keller Williams for about five years, and um had the pleasure of being able to surround myself with thousands and thousands of awesome agents and so we were very facebook heavy and so when i was trying to grow my database when i was newer in the business i thought well what better way to get my name out there to you know a group of thousands of agents than to connect with them all on facebook and so then i created a facebook referral group and so i was the admin of that group and i was the only one in memphis understandably. And so I just added and began to add thousands of agents from all across the nation. And so they knew that I was Jennifer from Memphis. And so each time they needed to send a referral to anywhere, they knew that I was a Memphis girl. So over time, I think that group has about 4,300 members now. And my Facebook friends, I'm maxed out at 5,000. And so most of them are agents. And I would say 85% of them Know exactly who I am because I've either met them over a five year period or we talk all the time on Facebook or we've been to masterminds together or conventions together.
0: You are currently receiving business from other agents, agents outside your area, agent referrals. What percentage of your business is coming from that?
1: Gosh, I don't have that particular percentage, but I would say at least once a month I get a referral from an agent outside of my market. I would say that I close between 12 and 15 referrals a year from outside of my market. And I also get referrals from agents in my market. So we do short sales and we're one of the few agents that do still do them. And so the agents in my market, they know that I do them. And so they'll often call me and say, you know what, I have a listing. It's about to expire. I think they need to do a short sale. You know, would you be okay with a 25% referral? Would you just take them? And I say, of course. And so we take them then I would probably get maybe five to 10 a year that way.
0: Are you still running the Facebook group?
1: Absolutely, yes. So we brought in, um, cause I'm not at REMAX, and so we brought in uh, Ron Wexler. He's an agent out of Chicago with Keller Williams, and he's now an admin of that group. But that being said, the people, they still know me as the Memphis agent. And so one of the great things about Keller Williams is that they still give me business and I still give them business. And it's a beautiful reciprocity because we're friends, not just because, you know, not only are we friends, we're at different brokerages, but they know me as the Memphis girl and I know them in their city. So it's worked out really, really well.
0: Other than participating with the Facebook group and going to some meetings nationally, do you do anything Proactively to generate those referrals? For instance, do you send out a monthly newsletter or monthly email to these agents in your database? Or is this just all happening because they know of you and you've been bumping into them over the years?
1: Just the second part of your answer. I mean, that's basically how it happens. Just word of mouth. You know, I, I like to do things like I gently touch people. So I don't like to be in your face. And I don't think it's very beneficial to be aggressive in your marketing to other agents. So. You know, anything that I do, I learned early on that if I want to get people to remember who I am, I have to be relevant, and I have to be nice, and I have to be subtle. So for me, being subtle has been the best marketing tool that I've done. I guess, I mean, you know, just going through people's feeds and seeing what they're doing in life and commenting on it has been all I needed to do. So versus, hey, I'm your Memphis girl, and basically throwing it up in in people's face every other day is just a very that's annoying.
0: Tell us what you're doing to stay in front of your past client and sphere of influence database.
1: So every year we send them out a full-size calendar in December, right before the new year, just a letter that says, thank you so much for the business that we received. And, you know, just a letter identifying, you know, what we've done this year and how we'd love to help them. Every quarter we send them a postcard or a letter some type of relevant information just to show them that we're still here if they need us and they're interested in their home value to please give us a call. And then I keep in touch with them a lot on Facebook. So I guess, I don't know, the phone call is kind of lost in our system right now. We just, we usually just Facebook each other.
0: Are you making any phone calls to your past clients at Sphere of Influence in the course of the year? Or you have a kind of a standard set schedule to call them?
1: No, I don't. I mean, we send out those four pieces of information every year, and then most of those people are my Facebook friends, and if they need me, they know exactly where to reach me, and we're pretty digital with everything.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you do a lot on Facebook. You must be on Facebook all day long. How many hours a week are you spending on Facebook? (laughs)
1: Um, I'm probably on Facebook about five minutes a day. Really, five minutes a day? So you're just kind of
0: checking in and, and sending off a couple of messages? And so I guess in a way you're touching them more often than just the four or five mailings, but it's mainly through this medium of Facebook.
1: I would say so. Anybody that's my friend on Facebook knows that most of the things that I post are personal. So I have a funny story or, you know, a a comment about something or I'm sharing pictures of my daughter or something funny that we're doing it. But to be honest with you, I don't see the point in me calling, you know, a past client, hey, Mike, this is Jen over at REMAX, hey, I just saw you were on Facebook and, you know, I just want to give you a call and say hi and ask if you know anybody who's looking to buy or sell or invest in real estate in the next 30 days. Now, I know that there's a lot of agents that do that and they do that with great success. I'm just not one of those people. I prefer to do things, you know, very fast. So, I feel like if I made a, a relevant post or I saw a life event on their page, I might email my assistant and say, hey... Tammy just had a baby. Can you send her a, a send out card that says congratulations from me? Or if I see a life event that's negative that's happened and someone's lost someone, I might say, can you please send out a, a condolence card or something like that. So I felt like those were more powerful touches than just touching the same people four times zero with a phone call. So I wanted to become relevant and I wanted to become more memorable. And so I feel like that works really well for me.
0: On Facebook, You have a personal page and then you also have this business page. Are you blending? Are you sending out the same type of messages on both? Or have you separated those pretty cleanly?
1: separated. So my business page will have relevant Memphis topics, you know, new businesses that are coming into the city, businesses that are leaving, relevant, you know, events that are coming up, my listings, I'll advertise for buyers agents on there, I'll uh, run a survey, you know, how many people have done this to their house, I'll talk about restaurants, just basically overall Memphis content and then sometimes I will share a house that I've listed on my business page onto my personal page, but very rarely. I only do it, actually, if my seller is a friend on Facebook. They love that. So I do that more for them than for the other people on Facebook. So, like, I have a listing now, and Terry is a seller. And Terry saw that I posted his house on my wall. And he just thought that was the best thing ever. So I did it for him. Jennifer,
0: you've mentioned your team a few times. Let's look at your team and, and how it's developed. You've, you've built that team rather quickly in the, just in the last five years. I assume you're continuing to build it out. Could you tell us what the makeup of the team is today? And then also, as you're going along, if you can tell us which of those positions was with you last year when you closed the 155 and which you've added recently?
1: I'm the listing agent and the owner of the Live Love Memphis group, so I'm responsible for all the listing appointments and negotiations and closings and that kind of stuff. I've got five buyer's agents, and uh, one was with me, two were with me last year, and three were added this year. And the expectation is that I'll add a few more this year, but they are all responsible for all the buyer leads that come in. We do not have an inside sales associate, So when the lead comes through Boomtown, they are required to contact the lead, usually within five minutes. That's, you know, obviously what we hope for, but they are responsible for all things related to the buyers. And then I have an executive assistant. She came on board in July, and before that, I had an assistant for four years. So we definitely upgraded the talent with her. She's responsible for, I mean, everything. So every piece of paper, every email, every phone call, she's responsible for tracking, keeping up with my database. She takes care of my sellers. She sends out my mailers. She removes lock boxes. She pulls up signs. She's a licensed assistant too. She just got licensed about a month ago. And so she just basically is the heartbeat of our team. So without her, I would not be as successful as I am for sure. And uh, we have a marketing assistant. He's been with me for two and a half years and his responsibilities are basically just marketing all of my listings, he puts them on the various websites. He creates the flyers. He does the virtual tours. He corrects any data that's, you know, not accurate, that kind of thing. He does price corrections. Like so, he'll do statistical emails that we send out to our sellers every week. He makes sure that sellers know exactly what we're doing on. The house for them because we don't ever want to be the agent that is you know has the reputation of well i mean i listed the house with her and then I, I never knew what she did and she never talked to me so his job is making sure that the sellers know that we're here for them
0: well it sounds like your your team last year was about five people you just had the two buyer specialists and the five of you closed the 155 is that correct that's correct Would you mind disclosing to us how you compensate your buyer specialists?
1: The buyer specialists, they're on a 50-50 split with me. And then we also charge a $500 transaction fee on each deal. And that amount goes to me.
0: For the 50-50 split and the the $500 fee, what do you provide to the buyer specialists?
1: I'm providing the leads and the database management system and any supplies that they need.
0: Do they pay their own? MLS bill and their own license bills? Yes. Does that split ever change if they hit certain volume markers? Do they get bonuses or additional compensation?
1: Well, we do have a team goal this year. They all have individual goals, and if they each meet their individual goal and we meet our team goal, they will be rewarded. This year, I'm offering to take them all on a cruise.
0: Do you mind telling us what your goal is?
1: We'd like to do 300 deals this year.
0: Wow, you want to double up to 300.
1: Yeah, I think we're on track to do
0: that too. Wow, congratulations. That's a lofty, ambitious goal. Thank you. How do you intend to double your production? What are you going to do different this year over last year to make that happen?
1: I have not been very good or diligent about calling expired. And we've never really tried to reach out to subdivisions that were pretty much prime for investors. And we've never really called people that, you know, tried to sell their house in 2008, but didn't. So you know, for me, I want to try to do more of that. I want to get more listings. So the buyers are doing a great job at what they're doing. I would like to step up my game. So the most listings I've ever sold in one year were 68. And so the rest of that came from the buyer side. And so a lot of the, the goal, I guess, rests on me. So what we're going to do differently this year is me making the effort to call people. So we've identified some target subdivisions that really investors would love. So we've partnered with an advisory group, and they buy two hedge funds that are here in Memphis. And so what we can do is we can find off-market properties and submit those to the advisory group to see if we might be able to get them cash offer. So that's one new avenue of business. A second avenue is we've targeted some subdivisions and neighborhoods around Memphis and the surrounding areas that are awesome for first-time homebuyers and, in fact, don't really have a lot of inventory right now. So we plan on calling those subdivisions and neighborhoods and, and asking, you know, hey, have you ever thought about selling? Just becoming more aggressive and targeted with our lead generation. So I just found out a couple of days ago that I won a year of coaching with Tom Ferry's organization, and I am like over the moon about that. And I have a feeling that, you know, through his coaching, he's going to expect a great deal from me. And, of course, I don't want to let him down. So that's one of the reasons why I feel like we're going to be definitely on target to double our goal. So on top of coaching, I've also signed on. um, Taylor Williams has a MAPS coaching program. And I've just signed on to this challenge of 90 listings in 90 days. Very excited about that. So several different accountability tools will be set in place to help make a difference this year, I think, for me.
0: Are you profitable?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we're running at about a 32% profit margin.
0: So $100 comes in the top of your organization, $32 comes out the bottom to you. Do you pay yourself a salary? I do. Now, does the salary, is that part of the expense before you get to the 32% or is that part of the 32%?
1: That's the part before I get to the expense.
0: So you're paying yourself a salary, and then in addition to that, there's 32 percent coming out the bottom to you as profit.
1: Yes, I became very mindful about where my money was going, and I read this book. It's the MREA book, and it's the Millionaire Real Estate book. And it's the basically it gives you an exact roadmap for your profit, your loss, your expenses, keeping track of everything. When to hire, you know, leading with revenue. I mean, for any agent that's out there that hasn't read that book you need to get it. It can definitely be a game changer for you. And it was for me. So I have several of those pages dog-eared and it's on my desk at all times. And if I ever have a question about making a business decision, I can always revert back to that book. It's just been an awesome tool for me. And so, yeah, I mean, running a business, we want to we want to lead with revenue and we want to make sure that our net is enough to keep us in the business, right? I mean, there's a lot of agents that have these great numbers and they're broke. So, you know, I don't want to be one of those agents. So I was very cognizant of my net at the end of my first year. And each year that I grew, I was increasingly aware of my net because it's really easy to just throw money here and there and everywhere and just see what sticks. But to be purposeful with marketing and be purposeful with what you pay people and what you bring in, I think is critical. I mean, we're business owners. We're not just real estate agents. I mean, I'm I'm a real estate agent, but I also am the CEO of my own business. Even if I just have one employee, which is me. You know, I mean, even if I don't have a team, I'm still 1099. It's still my business, and I just want to run it like a business. And so, you have to understand what you're bringing in, what you're getting out, what your net is. And you know, this that book really helped me. Really helped me.
0: How often do you review your financial figures? Every month. So you're keeping a pretty close. Eye on what's happening on a on a thirty day cycle. Every thirty days or so, you're looking at those numbers, and you're able to see if anything gets out of line, and you can you can cut it back.
1: Yeah. So every time I get a receipt, I give it to my assistant. She puts it on a spreadsheet, and she we have a budget that you know we've created that keeps me in line with what I want as a net at the end of the year. And so she tells me, okay, you're reaching your budget for this, or you know, and I don't make a decision without asking her if it's something that I should do. So if there's a new marketing, you know, promotion going on or a new product I want to try or whatever, I send it to her. She reviews it, and she tells me whether or not, you know, she thinks it's going to be efficient for us or not. And I trust her opinion because I bonus her at the end of the year for my net increase. So the net that I had when she started, she knows that. And so then we'll do an analysis of my net at the end of this year And the difference, she'll be bonused on that. So she has a vested interest in making sure that I'm successful and also a vested interest in monitoring my money. Because the more money I have at the end of the year, her bonus is affected by that.
0: Jennifer, what drives you?
1: My daughter. So my past, I would say, my past and my daughter. So I grew up with nothing. I mean, we lived in a trailer park. I went to public school. My parents put my clothes on layaway at Kmart. I had these Coke bottle glasses because my parents couldn't afford contacts until I was in seventh grade. I had a really rough childhood. You know, it was just not, you know, I'm not the typical, you know, I'm often misunderstood, you know. So I worked extremely hard for everything that I have. And I put myself through college. My parents divorced when I was 12. I'm an only child. You know, I'm kind of like that country song, you know? <laughs> and so anyway, after, you know, after I put myself to college, I just, I knew that I wanted to make something of myself always my whole life. Ever since I was younger, I knew that the life that I was in was not going to define who I became. And so I lived my life understanding that if I was going to make it, I was going to have to do it myself. And I have never been handed anything and I've worked for everything that I've, that I've got. And I'm so proud of that. That drives me every day because now I have a daughter who is, well, she'll be eight. And I look at her and I think, you know, I want you to have everything that you want in life. I want you to have everything. And so I'm here at eight in the morning every day, and I don't leave until six or seven every single night. And that's by choice because I know that, I know that I'm giving her a life that I never had. And I know that I'm living someplace that, you know, I would have loved to have lived when I was a kid. And I know that she's happy and she's well-rounded and she's, she's happy that her mom sells houses because it means she gets to go get toys, you know, so, but she's what drives me. You know, I just want to be real with people, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I want someone to listen to this interview and, and I want it to hit home with them. And I want them to think that sounds just like me. That sounds exactly where I am right now. And I want them to know that they can do it. And that they don't need to hear anybody else. They just need to hear what they want in their heart and that they can do it because I can do it. And it was so hard for me, so hard as a single mom to, to make the decision to come here every day and sell houses to people who were so angry to see me because I had to tell them that they had to bring $20,000, $40,000 to the table to get out of their house. And I did that multiple times a week. It was so hard for me to choose that. But I'm so grateful that I did. And I tuned everyone else out. And I just, I want someone else to hear that and and think that that's exactly, you know, possible for them as well.
0: You started pulling yourself up by your bootstraps before your daughter. You, You said you sent yourself to college. Do you recall what it was that inspired you to build a better life?
1: Yeah, my father, I would say my mother had a very strong work ethic. She worked two jobs to, you know, do the best that she could. My father, you know, he always would tell me, don't ever quit, Jen. Even when life gets tough, don't ever quit. Sometimes life would get you down, you know, and you just think, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And he said, you know, I put myself through college, Jennifer. I put price tags on toothbrushes. If you really want to put yourself through college, you can too. I'm sorry I can't help you, but I'll tell you right now, Whatever you need to do, you stay in college because it's something that no one can take away from you. And, I I mean, I think I was in seventh or eighth grade when I was like, you know what, I am going to go to college. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to go. He just always encouraged me. He said, you know, you can do anything you want to do. And I believed him. And I knew that if I didn't go to college... I don't know, I ran the risk of staying where I was and I didn't want to stay where I was. And so in my mind, if I got a degree, that was going to open doors that would otherwise be closed if I didn't have one. So, you know, I, I, did I could to stay in there. And I ended up graduating top of my class and I was really proud of that.
0: Jennifer, why have you been so successful?
1: I just believed that I could. I guess that's a simple answer. My success is as a result of the people that have mentored me over the last six years. I have been extremely blessed to have some awesome, amazing people from across the country take me under their wing, show me how to do what they do, and teach me the way to be successful in this business. So, I mean, to be honest with you, it's not me. I just show up every day and do what, you know, what they do, and it works for me.
0: How did you meet those mentors?
1: Through Keller Williams. I was with them, and I mean, I met some awesome people. Um, ben Kenny is out of Washington State. He's amazing. I'm very lucky to call him a friend, but he was an amazing game changer for me. If anybody listening to this does not know who he is, they should Google him and uh, listen to every YouTube video that he has out there. He's amazing. Lisa Archer was another influential person for me. She runs the Live Love Charlotte group out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and she's also expanded into other markets. She's a mom of three, and she was just ranked as one of Inman's top 100 realtors. Amazing, amazing person. I've known her for five years. So anytime I have a question, I can go to these people and say, how are you overcoming this obstacle? And then another one is Josh Anderson. He's out of Nashville, and he he's become a very dear friend of mine. It's a great partnership because there's a lot of people moving from Memphis to Nashville and vice versa, but even better, he had the production that I always knew I wanted and so five years ago, I mean, I would pick his brain all the time, and any time that I went to a convention, so family reunion or a mega camp or anything that you know was offered by Keller Williams, I would meet up with these people and we'd go have lunches or dinners or meet up at a restaurant or something like that. And these people would have other influential people that they would have dinner with. So I would get to meet them. So just a major, major networking opportunity that I just took advantage of. And I cannot say enough good things about those people.
0: Jennifer, if you were going to advise a brand new agent, just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first?
1: I would tell them to make a business plan because that's one of the first things that I did. And you can get a business plan from an agent who's currently doing the volume that you want to do. And so make a goal that's realistic for you and create a plan for yourself. I mean, that was one of the first things I did. I knew exactly what I wanted to make. If I was talking to a new agent, one of the first things I would ask them is, well, how much do you want to make? And basically create a business plan around the income that they wanted to make. And the income goal has to be realistic for the time that they're willing to put into their business. It couldn't be something outrageous. But for me, I knew I was going to work however long I needed to in order to reach my goal. So a business plan would be definitely number one. And number two, getting in touch with people that are making the income goal that you want to make. So if, you know, if it's $100,000, $200,000, whatever it is, surround yourself with those agents. Ask to you know, shadow them. Ask to take them to lunch. Ask them for their marketing materials. You know, if it's if it's an agent that's outside of your market, they're probably going to be willing to share it with you. So, I mean, probably not your competitors, but, you know, if you've got an agent out of Denver, if I'm in Memphis, I know I can call my friend Derek Gilbert, who's a Keller Williams agent out of Denver, and I can say, Derek, are you sending out a newsletter? Can I check yours out if I want... Anything. If I want a listing presentation, I can call, you know, my friend Lisa and say, "Lisa, send me your listing presentation. I want to compare it to yours." And that's something that a new agent could do quite easily, actually.
0: Jennifer, do you think the top agent interviews, like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent, are valuable?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, 100% valuable. You know, for somebody that's just interested in learning how other people's businesses are running and operating, I mean, what an awesome way for someone to spend an hour just listening to how someone else is doing it. I've listened to several interviews and gotten some good tips from it. So there's definitely value. I appreciate you doing this.
0: Well, Jennifer, I've come to the end of my questions for the day. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say, any parting thoughts that you have for the
1: listeners? I've chosen to surround myself with people who are like-minded. And so I'm an extremely positive person. Like the glass is always half full, even if it's got, <laughs> even if it looks hopeless, like the glass is always half full. And so for me, I do not partake in negativity whatsoever. I do not partake in drama. I do not partake in a defeatist attitude at all. I, I just cannot allow it into my mind. So making sure that you've surrounded yourself with people that are like minded, I think, is going to be really critical. And check your mindset. That would be advice I would give to newer agents do an analysis on your mindset. Do you have the mindset that you can succeed or are you fearful? Because whatever your mindset is is probably going to produce your results.
0: Well, Jennifer, your mindset is strong and your results are spectacular. You ramped up your career quickly and made 100,000 your first year in the business. You surrounded yourself with mentors then emulated their models. You've come a long way from the little girl living in a trailer park, who wore Kmart clothes and awkward glasses. Now you run a successful, profitable, growing team full of optimism and opportunity. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who sold 174 homes last year worth $108 Find out who she is on the next success call. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV. Real Estate Agent Lead Generation Television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward.
1: You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.